lot of you know, I work for Manable Feed. This last Wednesday, I was very busy throughout the day, didn't have time for lunch, and I was leaving Jasper. It was roughly 4.15. I dropped off some feed just out east of Jasper, and I was on my way to Nevada, and I still had four ton of feed on the front of the feed truck. Hadn't had lunch, so I stopped by Lamar at my house. Nina was in the house. She had been cleaning, painting. She had family coming for the 4th of July. Anyway, I stopped in there, grabbed me a drink and a cookie, and headed on down the road. And I got out there on I-49. I was about oh, a few miles outside of town. And according to the GPS, I'd set the cruise control on the truck at 74 miles an hour. And I just noticed that I small little silver car and I was passing it man and woman in the front seat a couple small kids in the back seat didn't think anything about it passed the car got back over in my lane and shortly after I got over in my lane there was this I noticed in the side mirror there's this pickup coming around me and at that same time I heard this it was a combination between a, a grinding sound and a squalling sound. And I thought, what in the... So I got off the cruise and kind of stuck my head out the window. And I think it might have been the pickup making the noise. I don't know. But all at the same time, there was this huge explosion. And the passenger side steer tire blew out on the truck. And it took me off the road and just instantly, at the very top of my lungs, I just started screaming... Jesus save me, Jesus save me, because there was this waterway, and it was every bit of probably 10 foot deep, and the truck was just screaming at it 70 miles an hour, and I felt it sliding sideways. One million and one things went through my mind. I could see images of my wife's face, all the kids' face, my mother's face. I didn't see it. Jesus' face, but I did see the cross, and I saw a casket. And I, honest to God, thought, this is it. I'm going to get killed right here. And as I was praying, the truck went down this waterway through the ravine like a bulldozer. Dirt was flying. The noise was just ungodly. And... A gentleman stopped that was in the southbound line. He was headed south, and he stopped, and he came over among a few others, and he said, are you okay? And I, after I climbed out of the cab, I said, yes, I'm, I think I'm okay. And uh, anyway, he said, well, I had to stop and see what you hit because I thought you just, I watched it all happen. I thought you just went into the grass, but your truck was airborne. It was off the ground. And... Well, I didn't know that, but I was just, I had my eyes closed and I was hanging on. I didn't know, I didn't care where the truck was going, I was just glad that it stopped. But when it finally did stop and everything, and I, guys, I believe, always have believed God has a sense of humor. I always kidded my sisters that they were living proof that God had a sense of humor. But anyway, I could kind of seem 
smiling down there at me. And even, hey, John, Peter, come check this out. Look at his face. He's, look at that face that he's got. He's, this guy's about to lose it. But anyway, he, he drove that truck through that ravine because there was concrete pillar on one side, metal culvert on the other side, and as deep as it was, because even the ones that were there, the wreckers, all that, they said, man, I'm surprised you kept it on its wheels. I didn't. God drove that thing through that ravine. And I firmly believe either he took the wheel or he just reached down with his merciful hand and brought that truck to a stop. And thankfully I worked for some people like the Manivals because the first thing I did was call Carson, broke the news to him, and some bosses could have just you know, instantly gotten mad. And, but his very first words were, are you okay? And do you think we need to send a wrecker? I said, Carson, you better send three because we're going to need them. <laughs> so he said, okay, I've got a wrecker on the way and, and Mark will be coming too. So I said, okay. And Mark was, Mark was just as kind as Carson when he got there. He was the same. He just, thank God you weren't hurt. The truck can be replaced. But I just wanted everybody to know that if you're ever in doubt that God listens to your prayers, he, that, that day was me just standing here right now. Because I even kidded Nina in the, when we went to the ER to get me checked out. We were in the waiting room. and I said, this could have been a differently. You could have been $500,000 richer. Of course, she was. She didn't like that comment. But anyway, I just, when I woke up the next morning even, I was just grateful that I was waking up and that I wasn't waking up in the ER. So just know, God does listen to your prayers. He really does. Thank you. Just out of curiosity, and this isn't a right or wrong answer, but this happened Wednesday, is that right? Wednesday, Wednesday morning? Afternoon? How many, did God put Gary on anybody's heart that day, Wednesday? Got one hand, anybody else? Two hands? I mean before it happened. Still the same? Anybody else? Little Whitney's even raised her hand. Um, Gary, God put you on my heart that day too. And I didn't know about that until probably... Uh, I think it was me, me and Joel were walking out after the fireworks show Wednesday night, and he showed me a picture. But I didn't know why. And to be honest with you, um, I was probably even praying the wrong direction. But I, but we prayed for you. And I think that's how neat the Lord is, is that he does hear and answer our prayers, uh, even when we don't know why we're praying for somebody. And, and our flesh is always trying to guess and, and figure things out. And, and that's where I was at, trying to guess and figure it out when we just need to lift him to the Lord. And, and I think that's what you all did. But three people, uh, Gary raised their hand for that. So God, you're on God's heart too that day. And he's looking out for you, you know that. But uh, as we move on into this prayer time, I wanted to, I think you, I'd say you've already prayed for Troy Onstott over here to the 
right a minute ago, but I wanted to lift him as a body today also, because God is hearing and answering our prayers there as well. And, and we may not understand, just like I was explaining with Gary there, why, you know, or what to pray sometimes, but just pray your heart. And because God hears and answers our prayers. And, and, and I don't know why I've never, uh, and, and standing in agreement for somebody, I don't think I've ever stood on Psalms 103, 1 through 5, but that's the scripture God had put on my heart for Troy and, and Jill and TJ. And, and that's what I've been standing on this week. But, but it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And, and the, you know, just right off the bat, when I read that part, the Lord just showed me that, that that's the key to every prayer, is just worship the Lord. Just praise his name and glorify him. And, and when we get our mind focused on him and worshiping him and glorifying him, the next thing we know, we're praying in alignment with what he wanted us to pray. And so I challenge you, when we don't know what to pray, Began to just praise his name. What did Gary say? Jesus. Jesus. That's the same thing. Uh, whenever things happen to me, Jesus. Jesus. You know, back in the day, it may have been a curse word. But as we give it to Christ, we, we worship him and just give it to him. And allow him to move. But the scripture goes on to say, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. And so then the psalmist begins to to tell us why we pray and the results of it, of all these great things that God does for us. And so today I know that many of you got uh, requests on your hearts and and things that are on your hearts today. And, and by the unspoken hand, would you just raise them before the Lord today? Say, Lord, I've got this on my heart today. And as these hands go up across the room, let's praise God for looking out for Gary. But let's praise God also for looking out for Troy. And for looking out for you and all these requests here today. And, and let's just lift these requests to the Lord. And Father, we do come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we do say, bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord, oh my soul. Father, we bless you and thank you for all these things that you've done for us. Father, we bless you and thank you for the life you've given us, Lord. Father, we thank you for every breath that we get. Father, we thank you for the love for us and the the joy that you've given us. Lord, as I looked across the body today and in the midst of all these battles and storms, There's joy in the house and there's worship in the house because you are God. And we just thank you for that today. But Father, as you see these hands across the room, Father, you've heard Troy's name called out and many other names called out. Father, we ask that you miraculously heal their bodies, Lord, that you miraculously move upon all these situations. Father, that that as we worship you, Lord, Father, minister to every need here today. Father, minister to the families that are touched by these and and, and are just just needing you to touch their lives today. In Jesus' name, 
Father, we ask that you continue to be with this service today. Father, we ask that you're with Nick as he speaks at Carthage today and Jill. And Father, continue to minister to them and through them at Carthage. And Father, we thank you for the way you've moved on the earlier services today and and how you've touched lives in the earlier services today. And Lord, we just love you. And we just give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. But today we're celebrating uh, July 4th, Independence Week. Um, and, And I'll be honest with you, I was listening to my fantasy football stuff, and I'm in a dynasty league, and I'm protecting five guys, and so I'm listening to the radio, trying to see the five I want to protect, but on this one station, I was this podcast, whatever it was I was listening to, they were, that day, were dedicating, it's the 4th of July, they were dedicating something that day that they wanted to give up to make their lives better, because people bled and tied for our freedom in the United States. And, and they were just going to say things that they wanted to do to make their lives better. And, and they shared some things. Some were silly. Some were serious. But I thought, what better thing to do today as we celebrate Independence Day and I speak the word I believe the Lord has given us today that I, we've prayed throughout the week and I've prayed throughout the week that God would reveal something to you that, that will give you more freedom in Jesus Christ. Something that, that maybe holds you back in the, the full opportunity of Jesus. And it may be something you never realized before. Or maybe something you know about it and it's just time to deal with it. But, but at the end of the service today, I want you to, to give one thing. One thing to Christ today to celebrate your freedom in Him on Independence Day. Last week during the baptism... The Holy Spirit spoke to me and, and we're doing the vows and stuff and, and it just was really, it was off subject, but yet it wasn't. And I believe the Holy Spirit was saying to me, I have given you salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit resides in you. And he was talking to the believers, I believe. And it has to be because the Spirit can't reside in an unbeliever. But, but the, the Lord spoke that to me. I've given you salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit resides in you. And, and to be blunt, I felt like he said, what's the problem? Because I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. And it wasn't a sarcasm type thing. It was just that you've got all the tools necessary to accomplish what God's called you to do. And as you remember, we spoke last week on and that what I believe the Lord spoke to the youth at the camp out. I believe it was a word from the Lord. And so I shared all the, the topics of that revival that took on at the lake with them kids. But one of them, the first one was when we place ourselves under the covering, the umbrella of God, we will see him move in our lives. We already heard it today from Gary's testimony. When he called out to Jesus, he put himself under the umbrella of Jesus Christ and he moved. But the second part of that is in that 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 week we talked about, for this to happen, we must surrender. And in Gary's story, he surrendered. And so that's the key for God to move in our lives. John 7, 38 says, whoever believes in me, salvation 
as the scripture has said, out of his hearts will flow rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit, John 7, 38. So when we surrender, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added. And so just from one testimony today, we've already saw this illustrated. But today the Lord had, had, had put on my heart Hebrews 12. And we're going to read 1 through 5. But before we get there, it's so neat to see the Lord do his thing. As I always worry about redundance, but sometimes we need to hear things over and over. But as the Lord was putting this message on my heart during my Bible time this week, I was reading in Proverbs, and, th- and this is what the footnote said. It said, according to the writer of Proverbs in fifteen twenty through 28, righteousness means keeping a straight course listening to advice, and maintaining purity in our thoughts. It means responding to people with prayerful answers. And that's just from that scripture in Proverbs. And so as we press into the righteousness of God, he will make our path straight. He will guide and direct us. Now, Satan may throw some junk at us, but, but we keep our eyes on him and, and, and we're going to be okay. And again, that truck was totaled. But that truck can be replaced. And so we keep our eyes on him because the things of this world are of no value. They're not going to be around us in heaven. Or that truck, I hope, is not going to be in heaven with us. But Gary will. Thank you. So the four points that I believe the Lord showed me in this, this Hebrews 12, 1 through 5 is the first one is lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run the race. So we're going to call point one, run the race. Point two, good or bad, we must strive to maintain our relationship with Christ at all costs, even at the shedding of blood. But we're going to call that point good or bad. And then point three, the warning of Esau, the Esau syndrome. If you read the whole book of, of Hebrews, it'll talk about the Hebrews in chapter 12, We'll talk about the the Esau syndrome in verse 14. And we'll read that here a little bit. But we're going to call point three the Esau syndrome. And then point four, when we strive for, strive for, um, when we, when we strive and maintain or fight for freedom is what our goal needs to be. I butchered my spelling up here, but it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We do these things so that we experience the freedom. And, and again, he experienced the freedom of life and, and the freedom of Christ, even in his accident. And so we keep our eyes on him. So Hebrews 12, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And what's happening here is Paul's referring back to uh, the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And it talks about all those people of old. And we, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, 
you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood? And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? So the first point is here is run the race. And Paul said here, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and to run the race that's set before you. And, and that's what the first point that we're needing to make today is, is that we need to get off the stuff that entangles us. And that's why I was talking about to begin with, let's give one thing to God that we know it's a weight that entangles us. And you notice it's a se- that weight was separated from sin. This thing could be just something that, that's good that keeps us from God. And we know it does. But it could be a sin that keeps us from God. But, but we're being intentional today to make sure that we can experience a totality of God, that we can continue to press into Him. But as I was thought, thinking about running the race, I thought, if I was a runner, there's some things I need to do. First off, I need to start running, don't we? The second thing is, is I need to probably get a hold of coach back there and say, teach me about running. And coach would probably say, well, you need to lose a little weight first. And I don't know why he would say that, because I'm so trim. But, but in other words, the weights that so easily entangle you, my weight would slow me down. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I feel good when I eat, you know. But it, but it weighs me down, and I can't be as fast as I could be. So that weight tangles me up to where I can't be fast. And so he'd probably say that. And then he, he, he better not say this, but some runners say, shave their bodies. And, and, and by the way, my little boy's over there, and, and I think they used to do that when they run track. And a lot of these kids, they shave their bodies to run track to get a little bit faster. I said, I'll take the hair and be a little bit slower. You know, so I probably won't give into that. Hey, Louise, I just saw you sitting there. But good to see Louise today. But we're getting things off to prepare ourselves for this race. But we need to enter the race. And that's an important point that we need to get in the game. But I was thinking about our local athletics the liberal boys and their, and their baseball and the Lamar kids and the Jasper kids and, and their academics and their athletics, that they're so successful because they are intentional about preparing themselves mentally and physically in whatever task is before them. I think that's why Lamar is on the map, liberals on the map, and these towns are on the map because these kids have been intentional to get the things away from them that keep them from being what they can be. So in the same way, spiritually, we must be intentional in our training for righteousness. And again, according to that writer in Proverbs 15, 22, righteousness means keeping a straight course. So we're going to stay the course and just do what God tells us to do in verse 21. Verse 22 says, listen to advice. Proverbs 15, 26 says, and maintain purity in your thoughts. Proverbs 15, 20 set, and it means responding to people with a prayerful answer. Sometimes I don't, my answers aren't very nice, so I need to be prayerful about my answers. But we're being intentional about being righteous in the things of God. Point two, good or bad, we strive to maintain our relationship with Christ at all costs. The writer here says, have you resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Meaning, have you resisted evil 
to the point of shedding your blood. If you remember last week when we were doing the baptism vows, the second vow in the baptism says, do you resist evil? And we were asking these kids this, and the example I was using is the same thing as they're getting at in the scripture, is that if we have the thought to not obey our parents, we need to resist the evil, stay the course, and obey our parents. That's resisting evil. Resisting evil is simplicity. Resisting evil is to know when the other night I recorded, Joshua come in, I recorded a couple of movies. And I started watching this one movie, and to be honest with you, it was really good, but it got a little discolored. And, and instead of going ahead and watching it, I went ahead and deleted the movie. Because it, even if it was good, it wasn't righteous. It was entertaining, but it wasn't righteous because it wasn't good. And so a lot of times we will go ahead and stay the course on the sin that we're maybe involved with. The other day, Karen and me went to a movie as a kid's movie. And, and the kid's movie was, to be honest with you, such, had such a liberal agenda to it that, that I literally got up and walked out of the movie on a rated G movie. And, and a lot of you say, well, why didn't you just set through it? Because the Holy Spirit was tearing my gut out and saying, this is, this is what's wrong with our kids. And we need not support that. And so resisting evil is, is good or bad. Are we putting aside the things that weigh us down and that hinder us? And do we do this to the point of shedding blood? And, and a lot of people say, well, Pastor, Christ doesn't expect me to shed blood to maintain the gospel. What about the people that are being martyred across the world as we speak? Do you believe in Jesus? Yes or no? No. Boom. They shedded their blood. You following me today? So when have you resisted sin in your life to the point of shedding blood? Is it that serious to you to walk in righteousness? And that's how serious Paul wants it to be. Have you, have you done it to the point of resisting to the point of shedding blood? And you say, Pastor, you're just crazy today. Let's go back to Hebrews 11 then. 11, 37 through 40. And I'm just going to read a little bit of all the heroes of faith that we teach in Sunday school and we worship and love these men of God and women so much. This says they were stoned. When I get hit with a stone, I shed blood. If you haven't noticed, I've got a black eye here if you really look right here. And something happened to me this week and, and I shed a little blood. Um, they were sown in two, meaning sawed in two. Isaiah, prophet Isaiah was sawed in two. He shed his blood to maintain God's promise and, and truth. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep, goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though, commended through their face. In other words, we brag on them. Man, we look at these men and women of God. Wow! They did not receive what was promised to them. Christ hadn't come yet. It was just the promise of the Christ. Think about that. Since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The point that I was trying to stress to you there is, they shed their lives, they gave their lives, they shed their blood over the promise of Christ. We know there's a Christ. We know he died and he rose from the dead and we believe in him, but are we shedding our blood and resisting 
evil and standing for righteousness. You say, but they had the power. They didn't have salvation. You've got salvation. They didn't have the Holy Ghost like we do. The Spirit of God came upon them. But I would argue with you that the Spirit of God wasn't on them all the time. But the Spirit of God is in us, resides in us, and the power of the Holy Ghost is in us. So that takes us back to the start is, we got salvation, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the problem? I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Whoever believes in me, this is Jesus, as the scripture said, out of the heart will flow rivers of living water. Point three, warning of Esau, the Esau syndrome. If you read down in Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, I'm going to read through the message. But it says, watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then it was too late. Tears or no tears. You see, the birthright was a type of salvation. Esau had that, that birthright, that blessing. It was given to him by the Father, but he gave it up for a, a, basically a short-term appetite. And many believers, I believe today, Paul was warning the believer to not get caught up in the Esau syndrome, that, that we get focused on this short-term life and we give up our birthright, our salvation, our righteousness, or the things of God to accomplish life. And we're going to regret it if we're not careful. The word said Esau regretted his impulsive act, but it was too late for him. I believe the Holy Spirit was put on my heart that, that many believers have and are making bad decisions based on the flesh, things that don't line up with God's Word, and it's messing with them. And I believe what Paul's saying here, if you make an impulsive decision based on the flesh, sin, you will regret it later. And I think a lot of people do that. But praise God for forgiveness of sins. But a lot of times we may get the forgiveness of sins, but we still suffer the consequence. So let me share you an example here to kind of explain what I'm talking about. And I'm going to share something that physically happened to me. It's not spiritual at all, but yet it makes a point. But a bad decision I made in college that I regret to this day. And I literally, I have dreams about two things that I've done physically in this life that, that, that I still dream about today. I mean, I have nightmares about them. Well, this is one of them. Uh, I actually went to Bible college, and they were very strict on running in health. And so you had to spend time doing that. So I joined the running class. And we went out, and I got my doors blowed off by these guys. I was straight out of construction. I thought I was in shape. I was probably stronger than I ever been. And they just blew me away. Man, I was trying to keep up with them, run so hard. Literally, uh, between my legs was raw with my skin rubbing. And 
embarrassed me, an embarrassment, but I liked it. And I began to run more. And I began to practice. And I began to do the things that we talked about earlier, kind of joking around, except for I didn't shave my body. But, but, but I began to train. And, and I began to, to really get good at it. And it ended up to the point where that I held a college semester in the mile and a half for, for uh, three semesters. And it wasn't a big college, but it was big enough to brag about it. But God had taken me from last to first in the college because of putting effort out. Well, the coach, uh, uh, loving to death, Professor Kerry uh, Richardson, he pitched in the minors for Alabama years ago. But, but it came up out of Alabama, excuse me. But, but anyway, Kerry solved my, my, my heart and the desire, and he began to train me and asked me to join a triathlon. And I began to train for a triathlon. Uh, he put me in a, a his, he had a class on a water polo, if you want to get in shape, do water polo and an Olympic-sized foot pool. It's unbelievable. It'll get you in shape. He, he put me in another class to, that we had to swim six tenths of a mile so many times or in a certain amount of time, but we did things, bicycling, running, and kept perfecting weightlifting. And he invested a lot of time and effort into me. Well, two weeks before I began to run, I slipped on some yogurt at my job, and I busted my knee. And it bruised it and swelled it up. And the doctor said, you can't run for 10 days. And the deal, or the deal was like two weeks out. This time runs ago. That was like, like 30 years ago. But, but anyway, I didn't run and didn't, wasn't able to work out like I could. Well, the night before the race, the doctor released me, and my professor found out about it, my coach. And he called me up, and he said, you're going to go ahead and run, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to run the race. I haven't practiced for two weeks. I'll get blown away. And he dogged me out up late into the night, and, and I did not run that race. And I didn't enter the race. And anyway, the next morning, he called me, or afternoon after the race, and my practice time beat the winning time, and I dried off when I practiced. And, and I even threw that at him. I said, well, well, you know, the, the, I haven't run in two weeks. He said, but can't you dry it off? You wouldn't have dried off. You'd have made the time up there. And every excuse I had to give him, he said, no, you could have done it. But I chose not to. So I made a decision, a fleshly decision, when I shouldn't have, and, and, I, and I regret it to this day. And so that's what I want to really get into our hearts today, is I think a lot of times we think we're making a good decision that will benefit our families and benefit us that doesn't line up with the Word of God, and you're going to regret it later on. You're going to regret it. Because of point four, there's freedom in Christ. And we need to strive for that freedom and that, that love that we have. Galatians 5.1 said it is for freedom Christ has set, set us free. You know, some are tired of the fight. You know, you're close to giving up. You're listening to impulsive decisions that you will regret. But there's freedom in Christ. And guys, as I was writing this point of the sermon, Jim texts me this. It comes from Proverbs 14.12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is a way to death. And I thought, man, is that not confirmation that so many times that, that God shows us that what we're preaching is right on. That's for somebody here today that you're tired and you're weary and you're ready to give up, but don't give in to things that don't line up with God's word. 
Press into the Holy Ghost. Press into your salvation because there is freedom for those that are in Christ Jesus. Many people are oppressed today by lust of the flesh, lust of the lies, pride of life. And what those things are, you may be unfaithful in your marriage. You may be unfaithful in your parenting, your work ethic, your loyalty to God, your tithing, your purity. You can go on and on and on and on. Things that don't line up with the words that we're diving into and it oppresses us. That we can go to Christ and it is for freedom that Christ will set us free. Again, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Christ has come to give us freedom. We need to be like Trinity up there today. We need to have the joy of the Lord where we're doing backflips when we come to church. I tried to get Joel to do them today, but he needs a little more of the joy of the Lord, I guess. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I looked over Jen and he said, I couldn't even jump that high. But we need to be full of his joy and full of him because he has brought us freedom. And as Paul said in the scripture in verse 5, as he concluded the first five verses, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons of God? Man, you're sons and daughters of God. Man, that should excite you. That should empower you. That should let you know that, hey, God is in control. So another physical example is we win when we stay in with Christ. But we got another rain the other day. It was... uh, Friday night, we got, what, Mom, I think, told me three inches in 30 minutes. Uh, Worst our drive out worse than it's ever been. I couldn't drive my car through it, and that drive is that high, and it's never been over a foot. And our ground's so saturated, there's nowhere for the water to go, and it just, it destroyed our drive. Uh, and I'm like, it's the fourth time. I'm sick of fixing this. Man, it seems like all I'm doing around here anymore is just maintaining My goal, you know what my New Year's resolution was this year? Is to do something new and gain ground at the house, in my barn. And my barn's still dirty and the drive's still washed out. And and, and I'm like, ugh, and I'm frustrated. And I'm wanting to just throw it all in. And and there didn't even look like there's enough gravel around this time to fix it. But something I remembered at Freedom, an old boss told me, he said, when you get overwhelmed, just write a list down. And I did that at Freedom, I just kept lists. And if I get overwhelmed, I just start to top and just start doing something on there and check it off. I did it. Next thing you know, it's done. And you're caught up. Everything works out. In other words, you're staying the course. So I went ahead and got up at whatever time it was and headed outside and began to work on the drive. And, and Josh would come out and we needed to bring some loads of rock in, we thought. And he starts cutting trees down to get the big trucks in. But by 10 o'clock, we had fixed the drive. And the church on the east side had completely washed out. Over here, you couldn't even get a car around to the back side of the church at 8 o'clock that morning. It was comp- uh, you couldn't, you'd had trouble with a big truck, a four-wheel drive, but you could have. And we had that fixed and held, held off three loads or four loads of trees by 10 o'clock. And that's a phrase because the big thing is we were supposed to go canoe and a rafting at 12. And, and we get caught up in the emotion of the moment. And we allow these things of life to get to us. My wife texts me at 9 o'clock and says, Honey, are we still going canoeing? 
And I'm like, what is she thinking? No. Real big text. You know how you make it loud? And text it back. No. Are you crazy? I didn't think that. She's beautiful and wonderful. Yeah, that's why I got the black eye. Uh, you know, you don't say those things. Don't text big letters to your wife. If you have pulled the eyelid down, I really need stitches right there. I just haven't got there yet. But, but anyway, the... <laughs> Now I forgot what I was talking about. See what course jesting does to you? It takes you off the course. But, but anyway, uh, I said no. And then here we were. We were done at 10, and we were at Knoll at our appointment that we scheduled the canoes for by noon. And it didn't affect the day because we stayed the course and, and trusted God. And, and Mom even walked up to me, and she goes, Kent, I don't know where you got that gravel from. I don't either. I have no idea. But the Lord provided and we, we, we were able to accomplish what we needed to. And that takes me into the closing of this point. Bad things in our lives should not affect the good things of our life. If they do, you get black eyes. <laughs> but the bad things of life should not affect the good things, the godly things, the Christ things. Bad things in our marriage should not affect the good things. Bad things in our life should not affect our family. And again, the story I just shared with you. And guys, I'm not perfect. I I mess up as much as I get it right. But like you, I'm trying to to get through this this time and, and follow the Lord the best that I can. But bad storms of life should not affect the good things in our life. Our family, our wives, our husbands, or however, our children, etc. But our founding fathers, I believe, got a handle on that. And I'm going to close out with this today. But, you know, they made a lot of mistakes, but yet today we honored them by the godliness that they had. And they just stayed the course in the simplest things. And I'm just going to go over some simple things that, that we've done today that helped them stay the course. And the first one was a pledge of allegiance. You know, the pledge is basically is who we are and what we stand for as Americans. But it's who we are and what we stand for. As Joel was talking, that they both correlate with our Christianity. We're one nation under God. That means we've submitted not only to America, but we've stayed submitted to God. And we just continue to do that. No matter what's going on around us, We make a mistake, we say, sorry, God, we continue the course, and we continue to be one nation under God and keep ourselves our authority under the Lord, under that umbrella, we keep surrendering to Him. And indivisible means undivided. It means that we will not be separated. We're not going to let things come between us and God because He has given us liberty Freedom, it's for all of us, and we need to share the freedom that we have at the Bible school this Thursday night and Food Truck Friday. We need to share this freedom in Christ that we have as a believer, but also as a nation, and realize there is justice. In other words, that good behavior towards all people. The dollar bill. The Lord really hit me with that as I was in Walmart spending money that, that on stuff for the 4th of July that we didn't even use. Or going to Stockton Lake the other day, we thought we had to have all these things for a personal family and we don't even use them half the time. 
But I look down at that dollar bill and that hundred dollar bill and that penny and it says, in God we trust. Every time we look at our money, I want to challenge you that when you look at your money, that you remember that you trust in God above all things. Because that's what our founding fathers did. They just simply trust God and stayed the course. And they put little things around everywhere to remind them to trust God with every decision that they made. And I believe they especially did it for money because they're reading 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through the cravings that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And pangs means pain. In other words, the pain of guilt or the pain of this or pain of whatever. In other words, money kept them maybe from their wife and they have the pain of that or whatever it may be. The Thursday night show, it's in your bulletin. Man, the honor guard, man, they hit a home run. There was such an anointing. Uh, uh, I'll be honest with you, I struggled on that day. And man, the anointing was so strong during that time. And, and no offense to Joe or anybody, but, but I thought they were doing the show. And, and the guy comes up and he says, I need you to be the facilitator. I had no warning, no practice, nothing. And, and I'm like in a wreck, you know. And, but as I began to read and see what they're doing, the anointing of God just came on me. In other words, stayed the course. When it didn't feel good, when it was tough, something caught me off guard. And we read them things, and they're in your Bible, or in your Bible, in your bulletin. But you can read those. When you fold a flag, there's 13 steps to folding the flag. Well, I'm just going to hit it. First one is symbol of life, which is salvation. The second fold is a symbol of belief in eternal life, realizing that our citizenship is not here, but in heaven. Fold three is honor and remembrance of veterans. Fold four, a symbol of our weaker nature. Fold five, tribute to the United States of America. Fold six, symbol of our hearts and devotion. Fold seven, tribute to the armed forces. Fold eight, for those who went into the, the valley of the shadow of death. How many have done that? How many are there now? America, Christ is thinking about you. Fold nine, tribute to the womanhood and its giving and nurturing nature. During that time, the women were holding the family together when, when this, all this stuff was written because the men were at war. Fold 10, tribute to our fathers who gave their sons to protect our land. Fold 11, dedication to Jews and representation or represents the bottom of the seal of King David and King Solomon. Fold 12, represents the Christian and glorifies God. And if you were there that night and saw the video clip, you saw the guy look over at me and he goes, he missed one. And the guy with him goes, no, he didn't. And, but the one that wasn't on the sheet, that was the 13th fold, and the last fold is when the flag is completely folded, the stars are uppermost, re- re- reminding us of our nation's motto, in God we trust. Powerful night. How many of you watched what President Trump did the other night? And I'm not doing this for a political stand. But a salute to America, it was powerful. Uh, Tears of joy literally were running down my face. I recorded it and listened to it later. But but if that song that that Joel said, uh, just sang here earlier, and and what was that? It's about a home of the republic that Joel talked about. 
that moved me so much from that show that I wanted to text Joel and say, do that Sunday. And the Holy Spirit said, no, I got this. And look what Joel did today. And, and the Holy Spirit wanted us to, to, to hear that, that he's moving today. But as they got to that last verse, they slowed down and said, in the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with, with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. Man, that's going across the whole world. Anybody that was watching that, as he died to make men holy, let us die to make them free. And they began to build and get more stronger and stronger while God is marching on. In other words, God's still here, guys. God's still in control. You cry out to him. You keep focused on him, and it's going to be okay. Stay the course. And it was a moving time. And then, boy, the blue angels flew over. And, man, tears of joy were going down my face. Powerful to see a president get up. And it does. I don't care where his heart's at. But for a president to get up and do the godly things that he did that day, he's got, he's got my heart. Because I haven't seen it since I've been voting. I can tell you that. When Obama got the second turn, a tear of hurt went down my eye. I can remember where I stood because I saw the destruction that he did against his country spiritually. He, he may have blessed us physically. I don't care about it, that. But spiritually, he hurt us. And I remember I walked out of Dad's house, and I saw the poles, and a tear run down my eye of pain. So it was so refreshing to feel his presence that night. The altars are open today. I ask you in the beginning that if God would lay one thing on your heart, that you would submit to him that's weighing you down. That doesn't mean it's a sin. It's just weighing you down. It's keeping you from running the race. Or maybe a sin that's weighing you down today. But that's the altar call today that you give those things to the Lord. And you give yourself completely over to the Lord today. And, and maybe need to repent today. I know I've been doing a lot of repenting lately. To get my heart where it needs to be. But Christ is taking care of everything on the cross. And when we get to heaven, it's going to be complete. But it's like I always pray, I want it complete on earth because he paid the price on the cross. Amen? Amen. I want healed here. I want set free here. I want it all now because Christ resides in me and we're guided by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Father, we do want more of you. And Father, Oakton just continues to submit to you. And Lord, help us to submit. Help us to, to give our hearts completely to you. Father, help us to love like you, to, to be like you. And Father, I'm always reminded of John 17, Lord, when, when you're praying to the Father, make them one as we are one. And Father, make us one with you first with the Father, and with each other, Lord. Teach us, Lord, how to be like you. Father, teach us to be men and women of God that are, aren't ashamed to, to say we're wrong or sorry and to continue just to pressing into you. But again, Lord, we love you, and we appreciate you, and we consider it an honor to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hug somebody's neck and tell them you love them.